Hello and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. Technological advances, regulatory changes, and rising consumer expectations have led to a tidal wave of challenges, especially for financial marketers. While most marketers focus on the technology to drive results, research shows that a change in your legacy mindset is far more important. The foundation to drive growth in today's competitive and cultural landscape is a playbook that will help you build a brand that drives loyalty and advocacy, stand out with breakthrough content and campaigns, develop a better understanding of what works and what doesn't, drive more efficiency from your paid media budget, and foster an entrepreneurial culture in your team to move faster and stay on top of change. We are so fortunate to be rejoined by Eric Fulweiler, co-founder and CEO of the marketing consultancy Rival. We will discuss what drives growth of successful fintech and banking brands and where a financial marketer should start. Why are some banking industry brands growing so much faster than others during this time of massive change? There are many reasons, but it's undeniable that the ability to embrace change and challenge the status quo on all levels of the financial institution is a significant driver of success. Eric Fulweiler and his team at Rival have taken the expertise and examples from successful financial brands across the globe and distilled it into a simple, clear, actionable steps you can take to think and act like a challenger at speed and at scale. So Eric, welcome back to Bank of Transform. You know, it's really hard to believe that the last time you were on this show was in September of 2021. You know, a lot has happened since then, both in your life, my life, and then certainly in the industry. Could you share a little bit about yourself and your agency? And then, you know, tell us a little bit about what has happened in the last a year and a half since we last met. Well, first of all, thank you for having me back. And it's funny, Jim, because it doesn't feel like that far away. And time is a weird warp these days. But I think also, I just lose track of which conversations we have are, that are recorded and which ones aren't. Oh, exactly. Because <laughs> it's always, yeah. you know, it's always, we just, we need to get a mic in 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 the room whenever, whenever we meet. Um, so yeah, a few changes in my life. I had a different job the last time I was on the podcast. So I was the chief marketing officer at 11FS at that point and for about almost three years previously. And since then, I've launched Rival. So we are a marketing strategy and technology business. There's two parts to what we do. We are a consultancy that's focused on developing marketing strategies for companies within financial services and also outside of financial services. So we do a lot around brand strategy, product positioning, go-to-market planning, customer acquisition. We're doing a ton right now around first-party data management and MarTech roadmapping. I think companies need a lot of help on that front. So you can kind of think of that side of the business as like a, a very mini boutique McKinsey for the marketing function, if you will. The other side of the business um, is technology. So we raised a small round of funding at the end of last year to build kind of like a Google Labs for marketers internally. So based on the consulting work we do and the needs we see in the market, we're spinning up and out different MarTech solutions. And the thing for us, you know, I mentioned we do a lot of work in financial services with either a lot of fintechs and challengers to help them scale or incumbent businesses like JP Morgan, like Q2, like Pictay, Old Mutual Insurance, et cetera, 
to really help them innovate within marketing. But the big thing for us and what we're fascinated by, and I know we're going to talk a lot about today, is the the pace of change is only speeding up. Right. There is so much disruption, so much change happening. Technology, the competitive set, culture within the industry, talent, there's so many things changing. I think any business, regardless of scale or stage, has two choices. You can either take advantage of that change or you can be taken advantage by it. And that's really the North Star for us, understanding why categories are changing and why certain businesses are able to take advantage of it and others aren't. And of course, at the end of the day, one of the things that I always say, the best marketing is a great product. Of course, a lot of these successful challengers or successful incumbents that are able to innovate, it's because of the products they're bringing to market. But in order to fulfill the potential of your business, it is about innovation within product and marketing. And as I know we're going to get into, marketing is much broader than I think a lot of a lot of people think, particularly within technology businesses. You know, interesting, Eric. We, we talked about this the last time we're on. We've talked about it since then many times in conversations we've had. Is you can buy all the technology, all the product knowledge that you want, but at the end of the day, it really is going to get down to mindset. And that sounds really esoteric and very out there. But the reality is, if we look at any financial institution, any fintech, any challenger, any tech company right now, the ability to move at the pace of change and to embrace the fact that that change is going to happen, whether or not you get on board or not, really defines the winners and losers. The companies that I love to interview, as you mentioned, are not defined by size, but by the mindset of the leadership. And I would imagine that very quickly upon the first call or the first visit with an organization that wants to use you, you know pretty much whether or not they're ready, don't you? Yes. The reason I hesitate, well, I'll throw a couple things out there. I really believe that as a consulting firm, or if you're listening and you're on the brand side, thinking about hiring a consultancy, an agency, culture fit should be just as important as it would be if you were hiring someone for your team. Because the best work the most effective output, and also the times that you have the most fun are when there's a fit, not just in capability, but also in culture. And so I think that's something that we're looking for. You know, we're we're 20 people. We're boutique. We luckily get to kind of pick and choose a bit who we work with. We work with four or five clients at any given time. Um, so I do think that that is a big part of it. And we can kind of get the sense, and it's interesting, you know, that expression of Growth within a category is a race between challengers getting to scale and incumbents getting innovation. And we help on both sides of that. And on the one hand, it's really exciting to be working with a high growth scale up to help them get to the next level with their brand, their customer acquisition, their marketing function overall. But man, there is something so enticing about a business that already has the scale that just needs the innovation. And so I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think you always know at first glance. I think the most important thing is not necessarily the logo on the door of the company, but who the person is sitting in that seat. And what's to your set, to to what you said, what's the mindset and what's the change agenda that they have internally? You know, because it really gets down to the fact that if it's the difference between the walk and the talk, um, and, and, you know, we all know what needs to be done 
we're just not sure if we really truthfully want to embrace it. It gets back to my analogy of the doctor. When you go to the doctor and the doctor says you have to change your eating habits, you have to change your workout patterns. You know this. This is not rocket science. You eat less calories or you work off more calories and, and you're going to do better. And you're, you change your, your consumption patterns. It's going to make you healthier, make you less healthy. There's no rocket science to that, but that doesn't mean that everybody does it. And it's the same way in banking. I see many institutions that have great technology, great ideas, but they never get to the street and never get implemented the way they should because the organization really, really doesn't want to succeed. They don't want to say that, but the reality is they want to stay the way they were, maybe in the back office, maybe in the front office, and they're they're kicking and screaming on the way to the digital banking uh, finish line. So, you know, you, you, you built a marketing playbook. What prompted you to publish the book at the end of last year? And more importantly, could you share the four main principles that you believe drive effectiveness of the best challenger marketing and business growth? Sure. And I'll certainly touch on those. You know, we published it um, last year so people can go reread it. I think I'm also going to riff a little bit about just kind of what some of the feedback that I've seen from it, some of the things that I've seen since then. Um, and just kind of go from there. And before I get into that, I think the other thing I would say is, you know, I don't think anybody would disagree with what we're talking about. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, people speaking on stage and things like that. And I think the thing that I would want to really land with people is the only strategy that matters is the execution. The theory is easy to talk about. It's how do you actually get started getting started doing it. And much to your analogy of the doctor telling you how to eat healthy and go to the gym, it's not hard, it's not complicated, but it's hard. And change starts slowly and builds gradually. And so one of the things that I really wanted to do with this playbook and with all the content that we put out is try to make it as actionable as possible. So if we're up here talking about how mindset matters more than model, you know, I agree with that a thousand percent. But for you listening in a business, how do you actually get started getting started? kind of on that journey. And so there's some very, what I think are practical, tangible things that people can start doing for each of these principles. Well, actually, and in your playbook, you you not only describe the principles, but then you you tell the, the financial institution, the financial marketing executive, what do you do in your first 90 days to get started? Which is yeah. so key because we can read books forever and go, yes, I get a lot. I love it all. Where the F do I start? And the reality is you actually make put a pretty long part of the playbook into, okay, where do you start? What do you do in the first 90 days to get the momentum going? Because just like a diet, it's not the first 30 days. But once you get to 90 days, maybe 120 days, it becomes more behavior and it becomes a lot easier to know where do I pivot next? What do I put as a priority? Yeah. There's a, there's a great book. Um because it's really all about behavior change, you know, marketing externally, but also the culture that you build internally. It's about human beings and it's about perception change. And it's probably a tangent that we don't want to go down, but I, I'm, I'm a marketer by accident. I didn't, I went to music school. I worked in nonprofits and I somehow ended up doing this for the last 15 years of my life. And I spent 10 years of that in advertising agencies. And I always felt out of place these agency industry events, creative awards and stuff like that. Cause I was like, these people love advertising. I don't really care about advertising. What I'm fascinated by is how do you change human perception and behavior for a business outcome? 
how do you grow a business through the story that you tell? And so that's that's what fascinates me. That's what drives me. And so I was going to throw it out there. If you haven't read the James Clear Atomic Habits book, it's you know, a lot of that to be it's phenomenal. I, it's not. I don't think he's producing any of the scientific research that you know. He's really pulling it together from what's already out there. He's got a great newsletter. He, and he's an Ohio, an Ohioan. You know, he he uh, is based in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and he's working on his second book. But I, the number of times I reference that book, because if you can't apply it to yourself, and those atomic habits would mean the little things yeah. that end up being a big freaking deal in a year. It's it's yeah. so inspirational from that perspective, but I'm also fascinated by just the amount of concept of content and knowledge that we consume on any given day, particularly with way, where the world is today, and how little of it actually translates into action. And so I would say, you know, you could listen to us talk, and people do, you know, your podcast is great. Do one thing differently. Do one thing differently. If any of this resonates with you about it's about speed, it's about moving faster, it's about mindset and model, I don't know what the answer is for you. I have some suggestions based on my experience in this playbook, but what is the one thing that you're actually going to do differently? Because if you do one thing differently based on this 30, 40-minute conversation, that's already so much more than probably a lot of what you've ingested over the rest of the day or the rest of the week. That's great. So what were the four main principles in your book? Okay, so the four main principles for me, starting with relevance, and that provides the foundation. Next is differentiation. And this is where I think a lot of a lot of financial services, but particularly fintech businesses, technology businesses get it wrong, or I should say they don't go far enough. The best brands, if you just take a second and think about even you know within your world of what you do professionally, but even just the brands in your life, the ones that are going to be the most powerful for you are the ones that have something that's different from their competitors. And most businesses, I think, stop at the point of what's great about what we do, not what's great about what we do that other people don't. And so a lot of the brand strategy work that we do is kind of taking that starting point of what is the functional and emotional benefit of the product that you offer, but taking it further to really come up with a sharp, clear point of difference that you can own in the market. So relevance, differentiation, analytical is the next one. So, you know, they say marketing is a blend of art and science, creative and math, and most businesses are not doing nearly enough to leverage the data that's out there right. to generate insights to make their marketing more effective, but actually also generate insights from marketing to make their product more effective as well. One of the things that I'm really passionate about is that marketing should be seen as and set up to be an innovation function within a business, not just a distribution function. It's not just about bringing a product to market. It's about bringing that understanding of the market to the product as well to help inform what you do. Lastly, dynamic. As I said at the very beginning, and the whole thing that drives what we do here at Rival, the world is changing so quickly that is only going to speed up, not right. slow down. For your marketing function, much like with your product, you need to have things set up so that you're able to understand change that's happening around you and the mindset and the model to be able to adapt to it and evolve your brand, your positioning, your content, your paid media, all the facets of your marketing engine. They need to move quickly 
to be able to take full advantage of opportunity when it presents itself. And they're presenting themselves so quickly. You know, it's interesting, Eric, in your four, all four of them, it's one thing to to do it so that you know your customer, that you're you're differentiating your customer, they have the numbers and that you're you can pivot. It's another thing to make it so your customers know you're relevant, you're personalized, you're dynamic, you're you're you have the numbers that prove what you're trying to do and that you're differentiated. You know, I, I get so frustrated that I know my two banks that I use primarily know me understand me and can reward me for their business, my business. Unfortunately, they never show me that they know me. And I think the consumer, I don't know if you agree with this, but the consumer is becoming more and more frustrated with organizations they, that they know, know them, but provide no value based on that knowledge. I mean, I get, you know, relevance every day with Hulu from the standpoint of them knowing me and continually referring to what I should watch next or what I probably would like watching next based on how it knows me. Every consumer knows the difference between a streaming service and the old cable companies. But the reality is a financial institution also knows everything about me, but infrequently do they ever show me that they know me. And therefore it's lost. That final mile and the ability to make it so it's actually instead of transactional, actually engaging is a really missed opportunity, I believe, don't you? Totally agree. And also to that anecdote, and it's interesting you use the example of Hulu, because those expectations of what a brand, what a product or service should offer to you are being set outside the category as well as inside Definitely. the category. Yep. So it's not just about Wells Fargo versus Bank of America. It's about Wells Fargo versus Hulu or Amazon or these technology businesses that are so much better at being relevant, differentiated, analytical and dynamic. But I think the other thing that I would throw out there, like if you had to ask me one thing that I think matters most to modern marketing, it's about focusing on adding value to the audience you're trying to reach. So we, we've we jammed on this a few times. It was my big philosophy at 11FS and also what led us to do the marketing playbook to your original question. I think that modern marketing is about thinking and acting more like a media company than a marketer. And the biggest distinction there for me is that the traditional cliche Don Draper, and by the way, you'd be amazed at how much of the traditional advertising world still looks and feels that way. It's focused on extracting value. I've got a product. How do I get people to come to me to do this thing X, Y, and Z? I think the best brands are the ones that do the things that I mentioned, but over, but you know, wrapped around all of that is this ethos or this North Star of how do we add value. And the reason I say that that's more like a media company is because the business model of a media company is attention. Media companies, you know, financial brands, Forbes, where I used to work, they're in the business of attracting, retaining, and then monetizing attention. So the only way that they succeed is by putting out content or events, communities, that adds so much value that people choose to spend time with them over somebody else. And as you know, building a podcast, and as we know, starting one for Rival, attention is the scarcest and most valuable commodity out there right now for any business. And so I think it's a slight shift, but it has dramatic differences in what you do if you think about how can I build a media company around my brand? versus how can I market a product? And that means that you're thinking about how can I add value through the content communication experiences that I create, not how can I extract value. Now, 
at the end of the day, the role of marketing is to drive growth of a business. This is not an altruist. You're not building a, a charitable media right. company, but it's the difference of short-term, long-term. If in the short-term you're focused on adding value, I believe more value will come back to you in the long-term. We're going to come back to that for the break, but let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. Welcome back. I'm joined today by Eric Fulweiler, co-founder and CEO of the marketing consultancy firm Rival. We've been discussing how banks, credit unions, and fintech firms must build a challenger mindset similar to leaders in other industries. So Eric, before we, we took a break, we were talking about the difference between building content and building a brand and being more like an, a media company than maybe a product sales company. When you look at the potential going down the path and you look at, you know, I want engagement and that engagement may not be the next most likely product. It may be actually answering or helping me solve a financial wellness concern that I have as a consumer. Yet few organizations have built the content library to be able to answer that question. Well, that whole scenario has changed vastly since ChatGPT was introduced in November of November 30th of last year and has been updated March 23rd and a week ago last Friday to build relevant content that can be relevant, can be personalized, can be dynamic, can be ever-changing and can, in effect, have the ability to help me move forward financially. And as you said right before the break, and oh, by the way, that will generate business. So how, if at all, does that change your marketing playbook, the introduction of ChatGPT? I think it it has the potential to change it drastically. And also, I'm not sure it really changes it at all. And what I mean by that is I think marketing at the end of the day, today, last year, 10 years ago, a thousand years ago, it's all the same thing. It's how do you tell a story to change perception and behavior to deliver business results? The fundamentals of that are human fundamentals. What makes people change their perception? What makes people change their behavior? How you execute those fundamentals has changed over time. AI, social media, the web, print, TV, et cetera. So I think it's more of a technology layered on top of strong simple fundamentals done well. And that's where more of the playbook is focused. Those strong fundamentals done well. Now, AI is going to be is going to massively disrupt. Uh, the way that I think about it, anything that is a written word, and soon things that aren't, visuals, spoken word, etc. But right now, anything that is written word has the potential to be disrupted by AI. I'd say a couple things on top of that. When it comes to looking at future technologies, emerging trends, etc., I always believe that the bigger and more important opportunity for a business and brand is to react quickly to opportunities that come up rather than trying to predict where they're going to go. So I don't think it's about saying, I think AI is going to do this in five years. And it's more about what can you do right now? 
What can you do next month? How can you get started getting started, getting your hands dirty as a marketer, playing around with it, testing it, you know, starting to figure it out for yourself and get a firsthand perspective. Don't just listen to people like me or you or read the headlines. Actually get your hands dirty with it. I think the other thing that's interesting, because obviously we're playing around with it and using it, you know, a lot in our in our yeah. work, it's not it takes it 80 to 90% of the way there, but not 100% of the way there. That's kind of my general consensus. Yep. Now, a lot of the time and money that goes into content production can be replaced to 80 to 90%, and then the human being needs to take over. But at the end of the day, good content, quality content that adds value will always find an audience, whether that comes from AI or whether that comes from humans. And I think the businesses that, you know, the most potential right now is to leverage the technology to the best that it can do, but I think still have a human layer to it. It's the combination of both. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, a lot of organizations have not been able to build a good content library that they can point people to, to help them with their financial needs. Well, ChatGPT has the ability to build these conversations and to learn over time very quickly without getting into the whole compliance and regulatory cons- you know, area, which really gives financial institutions a leg up in their ability to communicate with customers that don't come into the branch anymore. You know, I think to your point, your playbook becomes more important because none of the fundamentals change. It just may be the way you implement against them and the speed at which you do so. So you mentioned it early in the podcast that there are significant changes that a financial marketer is going to have to embrace. But there's so many, even in your relatively concise playbook, there are so many items you unearth, you you bring to light and say, you got to do this, you got to do this. So getting back to one of your first comments, you got to start somewhere. Where should a financial marketer start today? at the end of this podcast to make a difference at their organization that can help them with growth and the competitiveness. So as you know, I also host a podcast. Actually, we have two podcasts, but the main one that I host is called Scratch. Yep. And it's me talking to CMOs for the most part, sometimes entrepreneurs about how they're approaching modern marketing. And the reason it's called Scratch is because I think what defines a challenger and you said it before, it's not really about size or scale or even appetite to risk and these things that get talked about. Those tend to correlate with challengers, but they're not definitive. What defines a challenger is the willingness to think about the world from scratch for how it is today versus how it was in the past. So most incumbents, to dramatically generalize, are businesses that were built for a market, a consumer, a technology, a talent pool that existed in the past. You know, the term tech debt, I believe the same thing applies to marketing. Marketing debt exists within these big organizations because it's been built layer by layer over yep. time and it needs to be ripped, replaced or rebuilt to be fit for purpose for how the world is right now. Oh, and actually if the marketer's been there for if the marketer's been there for anything more than 5 years, part of that ripping out is our own mindset because The marketing world has changed so much in the last five years. And so that day one thinking of Amazon and Jeff Bezos, that healthy ignorance to come in and say what I would recommend, which is how would I do things differently if I was to start them from scratch today? And that doesn't mean that you're going to replace all your people and throw out the playbook and start doing a thousand things new and different, but at least it gives you an understanding of where's the gap. 
Where's the gap between how we're doing things right now and how we would do them so that they were fit for purpose for the world right now and where that marketing debt exists so that you can start to pay it down? So as one overarching thing, besides reading the FinTech Marketing Playbook, of course, I would say sit down and have that, you know, it can be an hour of you writing down your thoughts. It can be 10 seconds as you're on your commute being like, what would I do differently? That's the question that you need to ask yourself. And I think that then leads to, well, what are you going to do about it? And start taking action. So we're running out of time. Finally, how do they get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of the FinTech Playbook? So hopefully we can link to it in the show notes. So it should be there. Um, We are wearerival.com. And I'm Eric at wearerival.com. I also post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, and I'm happy to connect with anyone who wants to reach out to me there or on email. So bottom line is, guys, we're, we're going to actually have a link that helps you get started with the playbook. And um, Eric, it is always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. It's even better to have you on the show. It will not be that long again. Hopefully, we'll see you in a, uh, a week or so in uh, Amsterdam. But if not, uh, I'll be stopping by soon. Looking forward to it, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to give our show a positive review. Finally, be sure to catch the recent articles on the financial brand and check out the amazing research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Earl Hoffman, and video producer Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember the words of Eric Fulweiler. Don't challenge the market, change it. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.